church. And the title of my message today is, I love my church. I don't know about you, but I love this church. I really do. I love Sunday mornings. This is my favorite day of the week. I love getting dressed up. By the way, this is dressed up. (laughs) If we go out to eat, I might wear the same thing. <laughs> but I do put a little bit of oil in my beard if that counts for anything. But I love I love Sunday mornings. I love seeing you here. It blesses me to see you here. It blesses me when I stand in the back and I see you worshiping God. And I, it blesses me because we have relationship. I don't I don't know if you if you're aware of this, but if you've joined this church or you're new to this church, this church is rich in relationship. I mean, like we don't just call you brother and sister. Oh, this is Brother Bill, and this is Sister Sue, and we don't even know where you live. Like, we have relationship. You know what I'm saying? It's like, I'd rather you not call me brother, but get to know me. Come on. I look around this room, I see marriages restored. I see cancer healed. I see experiences that we've all walked together through. I see a spiritual family, and I love my church. I love my church. I'm proud of this church. I'm proud to be in Eunice. I was driving in this morning, Cheryl and I, and I try to make it a habit. It doesn't happen every time, but every time I, or or most of the times when I get into the city, I just go, Lord, thank you for Eunice. Thank you for sending me to Eunice. I'm so grateful to be in Eunice. Now, some of you that grew up here, you don't do that. You're more like, Lord, when am I going to get out of Eunice? (laughs) When you become grateful. Come on, somebody. (laughs) Let's go to the book of Acts this morning, because that's where we've been in this series. And I want to show you the first church, because the first church is the model for all of us. Acts chapter 2, starting in verse 44. It says this, And all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day, met in homes for the Lord's Supper, And shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I love this verse because it gives us a model to follow. It gives us an example to follow. The early church, you got to remember, let me back the story up just a second. The early church was birthed out of the, the, the day of Pentecost is what it's called. It's when the, the disciples, there was about 120 of them up in a room praying, and they were, they were just obeying God, obeying what Jesus had said to them in his last words. He said, go to Jerusalem and wait for the promise or the gift of the Holy Spirit. They did. They went to Jerusalem, and they waited for a couple of days, and then the Holy Spirit comes, and then incredible things start to happen. And Peter, who was just recently restored back to, to God. Come on, Peter was backslidden. He went, <laughs> you see, in God's economy and in God's kingdom, there's no season of penance. There's no season of, I got to work my way back up to God. In one moment, Jesus went, I mean, Peter went from backslidden to back in a good relationship with Jesus. And then the day of Pentecost happens. And then he's standing outside that same day. And he just stands up and he starts to preach. And the Bible says that over 3,000 people got saved that day. Thank God Peter wasn't walking in condemnation. Thank God he wasn't still guilty. Come on, somebody. 
Thank God he had enough sense or he had enough love of God inside of him that said, you know what, your sin was yesterday, but today you're still in relationship. Amen? And the day of Pentecost happens and 3,000 people are saved. And this is what it looks like. They met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. Man, what a community. Think about that community. It's a community where needs are getting met. Come on. They, they, later on, it becomes such a, such a big deal that they have to start uh, 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 setting guys apart as, as deacons or, or whatever to, to begin to help serve the, the people. What a community. Needs are being met. They're meeting together. In the temple, at their homes, breaking bread together. Come on, we live in South Louisiana. We should be breaking bread all the time. Right? Enjoying the goodwill of each other. It was such an incredible environment that I believe the people around them started to get attracted to this community of believers. I mean, think about it. If there was a group of people in the city of Eunice and they started meeting regularly, and, and, and helping each other out and, and making sure that everybody's needs were met and they were just enjoying life together. There was no strings attached, just enjoying life. Wouldn't you want to be there versus in a place where the opposite is happening? Everybody's jockeying for position. It's cutthroat. You can fix yourself. You can get your own stuff. Come on. What a, what a community. They enjoyed each other's goodwill. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. Each day. Wow. A lot of things have changed in our church over the last 19 years. A lot of things have changed. We're, we're in a big old season of transition right now. Pastor Zach and Claire have moved to Tennessee, and we have a, an opening in Crowley, and Pastor Bubba's on sabbatical right now. And we're just, for the last year, I can, can I just be honest with you? It's been tough. It's been a tough year. Just transition after transition after transition. And we've gone through a lot of changes. But here's one thing that has not changed. We're still reaching people, and we're still building lives. Amen? People are getting saved, and they're getting discipled. They're getting into life groups. They're going through Next Step. They're joining the Dream Team, and they're connecting into this family that we call OSC. It's happening. Even in the midst of all the transitions, we haven't lost who we are and what our vision and our purpose is. Come on. I love my church. No matter how hard it gets sometimes, I love my church. In Matthew, Jesus said this, I will build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. I love that because I go, hell can't beat us. I say to hell with hell. Can you say that in church? Yes, you can. But Jesus says, I'll build my church and all the powers of hell will not conquer it. The church is one of the only things in the Bible that Jesus said that he's going to build. I thought that was good. My question is, is how does he build it? 
You ever get curious like that? Oh, Jesus is going to build this church. Oh, great. Come on, Jesus, build your church. How's he going to do it? Could it be that it's you and I that he's going to use to build his church? Could it be that we're the plan to build his church? Could it be that we're the ones that he's put in this city of Eunice and the reason you're here is because you have influence and you have the ability to reach people and build lives? Maybe that's how he's going to build this church. So I want to take a look this morning at what our part in building his church looks like. I want to help us today. Very, maybe very practical. It may not. We'll see how it goes. But we all have a part in building Jesus' church. He's going to build it. I believe he's going to build it through us. So the first part is this. Number one, all of us need to come to church regularly. (laughs) Oh, you don't know how long pastors long to say that in the pulpit. (laughs) We need to come to church regularly. I don't believe in guilting people to church because if you guilt them to get here, they're guilty when they get here. That doesn't help anybody. I believe there should be an anticipation and an expectation deep inside of you that says, I'm going to be in the house of the Lord today. I'm going to be in God's house today. We made that decision over 20-something years ago. We don't make that decision anymore. I love it when we don't have to make any more decisions. Come on, somebody. The fewer decisions, the better, right? We go to church on Sunday. Boom. Done. Put it in the file. It's happening. And if we miss, we feel guilty. (laughs) Can't can't even enjoy a day off sometimes. But we love it. We love it here. My kids love it here. Come to church regularly. In Acts chapter 2, it says this, And all the believers met together in one place. They worshiped together at the temple each day. It was a priority. There was something in their life that says, No matter what's going on in my life, I'm going to be with God's people. I just came into this family, and I want to hang out with this family. I like this family more than I like my other family. (laughs) Come on. (laughs) I don't want to even go to the reunion anymore. I want to stay in this family. Right? I love y'all so much, I come every Sunday. And if we have something on Wednesday, I'm here too. I like you. It's a priority. It was something that they did regularly. It was consistent. Church attendance can be a big deal. And the sad truth is that today, more than ever, people are coming to church less often. The average family attends church once a month. Think about that. I grew up Southern Baptist, y'all. I mean, you was in church three times on Sunday. And you were surely there every Sunday. I can't tell you how many naps I caught on the, on the, on the, on the, 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 the pews. <laughs> but some people don't have that attitude. Some people don't have that expectations some people don't have that urgency inside of them and they say things like do I have to go to church to be a Christian no you don't have to go to church to be a Christian but you sure miss out on a lot of things when you don't go to church amen and if you've been a part of this church and you've been regular you know what I'm talking about because sometimes when you walk with people enough all you need to do is just see them face to face and you know it's gonna be okay it's going to be all right. It's going to turn around. We're going to make it. Amen? 
There's some things that you get when you come to church. You get God's presence. I don't know about you, but every Sunday God shows up. Every Sunday God shows up, and he has to, and I'm going to tell you why in a little while. But God shows up every Sunday. I sense God's presence here every Sunday. You come on Monday, it's probably not going to be here. This is just a building. There's nothing special about the building. It's just, it's what's special is when we all get here at the same time, God shows up. He comes too because he likes you too. And he likes to be with you. And he loves to be at the family reunion. Right? God's presence is here. So if you're not here, you're missing out on God's presence. Real fellowship happens here. New relationships are built here. Encouragement happens here. You'll get a good challenge. Sometimes you'll get a good laugh, and you need a good laugh. Amen? Hebrews 10 says this, This is not the time to pull away and neglect meeting together as some have formed the habit of doing. In fact, we should come together even more frequently, eager to encourage and urge each other onward as we anticipate the day dawning. It's a warning. That's a warning to us. In other words, don't get laxed in your fellowship. Don't get lazy in your relationships. Don't get lazy in the joining together of all the believers. Don't don't make that a habit. You see, this is what's funny is he calls it a habit. We get to form habits. We get to choose what habits we want. (laughs) My habit is not working out. (laughs) Like exercising. (laughs) I've formed the habit of not exercising. I've also formed the habit of eating. My wife has this habit of cooking. I have the habit of eating. I get to choose the habit I want. Right? We can change our habits. You can be in the habit of being here, or you can be in the habit of not being here. It's really up to you. Amen? It's really up to us. But I'll tell you this much, there's never been a time in history where Christians have needed each other more than now. I was having a conversation this week about how Adultery is just like a normal thing now. Like married couples, a lot of a lot of married couples today, they just they come into marriage expecting there's going to be an affair, and we'll just sweep it under the rug. And I go, oh my god, are you serious? Like that's the standard now. Like like that's what we that's what we're shooting for. the the moral The moral standard is falling, y'all. And and we live in the world all day long, all week long. Man, we need to get together and encourage one another and lift up one another and challenge one another. Amen? The more you see the day approaching, that's what the verse is saying. The closer we get to the end, the worse it's going to get. We need each other. Because here's the truth. You can't reach your destiny without us, and we can't reach our destiny without you. That's just true. It's just true. There should be encouragement in urging each other onward. So here's a challenging question for you. Maybe for some of you. For some of you, it's not a challenge at all. How often do you attend? You might want to write that down. How often do you attend? 
Are you a CEO? Christmas and Easter only? (sighs) How many of you love coming to church? Come on. I love being here. Our second part of helping our, our, our part of being of building Jesus's church is this one is to come to church expectantly. Oh, this one's big. This one's big. Watch what it says with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. I pray that that's our reputation in this town. That when people come to OSC, man, it's going to be good. I've got expectation. I'm I'm anticipating something's going to be incredible. And we're going to get encouraged. God's presence is going to be there. I have an expectation. When's the last time you prayed on the way to church saying, Lord, I'm believing you to show up. I'm believing for great things to happen today. I'm praying for the worship team. I'm praying for the parkers. That they'll park with a smile. And I'm praying for... Come on. Or is it just my job? And the dream team's job and the worship team. Is it Leeson's job to build expectation in us? We should come to church expectantly. (laughs) You should come expecting to experience God's presence. I expect God to show up. You want me to tell you why? Matthew chapter 18, verse 20. Jesus told us something that I hang on to. It says, for where two or three gather together as my followers, I am there among them. It's probably not on the screen. I slipped that one in on y'all. One translation says, where two or more gathered in my name, I am there in the midst of them. So watch this. One, two, God's here. One, two, God's here. One, two, God's here. One, two, three, God's here. One, two, three, God's here. God's here. If he says if two or more gather in my name and I will be in the midst of them, then he's got to show up. Amen? He's got to be here. I expect it to happen every morning. I used, to, I used to come to church wondering if God was going to say, Lord, I hope you show up today. Now I've got this confidence in me that, hey, there's going to be, I know my family's five, so if we just jump into this room, God's going to show up. Right? <laughs> For all you single people, you need to find a friend or two. <laughs> just joking. Where two or more are gathered, I am there with them. What a promise. Matthew chapter 16, Jesus said this. He was talking about Peter, but then he started talking about the church. He said, this is the rock on which I will put together my church. Listen to how he describes the church. A church so expansive with energy that not even the gates of hell will be able to keep it out. Get you some of that. And that's not all. You will have complete and free access to God's kingdom. Keys to open any and every door. No more barriers between heaven and earth. Are you getting this this morning? Are you understanding what the scriptures are saying today? There's no more barriers between heaven and earth. There's nothing holding us back. Jesus said, when I build my church, the gates of hell ain't going to stop it. 
It's going to have free access, not free Wi-Fi. Some of you get more excited about free Wi-Fi than free access. <laughs> oh, they got free Wi-Fi. Hello, you got free access to heaven. Listen to what he says. It's going to be expansive with energy. I've got an 18-year-old son. He's got energy running out of his ears. He does not take naps. He has to keep moving all the time. I'm 45. I need naps. Come on, somebody. I hope he stays in the house. He don't stay in the house. Why? Because he's got energy. A church with energy moves. A church with energy stays active. It's working outside the Sunday meeting. It's working outside of the life groups. Why? Because it's got energy. He says it's unstoppable. He says it's complete. It has complete and free access to God's kingdom. He says he's going to give you keys to open any and every door. How many times has God showed up when the church just gets around somebody here and we just pray for one person and then God shows up and incredible things happen? No barriers. Do you ever feel like something's getting in the way? God says there's no barriers between heaven and earth. So answer this question, do you come expecting or do you just come? Do you come expecting? So our part is to first be regular in attending church. I think that's just straight up wisdom. Our second part is to come to church expectantly. And then our third part is this, is to come or don't come to church alone. Don't come to church alone. If you can't find somebody, you can still show up. But I'm just saying, don't, don't plan to come alone. Are you with me? Don't plan. Grab somebody. Bring them with you. It says this in Acts. It says, and each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. I can't help but believe that there was a girl named Susie in this early church who got, a, who got into this new community of believers and she began to experience the goodness of God in these relationships. And when she went back to her town and she got with her BFF, they were talking and she said, Bobby Joe, you need to come to church with me. And, and Bobby Joe came and she didn't, and Susie didn't come alone. She brought Bobby Joe with her, right? And then Bobby Joe got to experience. Come on, we're in the South. You know somebody's named Bobby Joe. We got to experience God's presence. Don't come alone. You got friends that need you to show up and invite them. You got friends that are actually waiting for you to invite them and they're getting offended because you haven't yet. Oh, don't think the one that goes, oh, you going to church again? You know what that tells me? They're paying attention to how often you're going to church. I would start to think, hmm, you're a little bit curious, ain't you? God's called us to invite and to get involved. Sometimes your greatest ability is your availability. Listen to this story in, in the book of Luke. Jesus was sharing a story. Or no, this is actually a story. It says, some men came carrying a paralyzed man on a sleeping mat. They tried to take him inside to Jesus, but they couldn't reach him because of the crowd. So they went up to the roof and took off some tiles 
Then they lowered the sick man on his mat into the crowd right in front of Jesus. Seeing their faith, Jesus said to the man, young man, your sins are forgiven. And then he would go on to say, stand up, grab your mat, and walk. What happens if the sick man's friends don't carry him? What happens if the sick man's friends don't put him on the rope? What happens if he never gets on the mat and gets on the rope and then climbs to the top and he has four friends with enough faith to say, if we'll just put him in the presence of God, then God's going to do the rest. You see, sometimes we think we got to save them, wash them, cleanse them, polish them, and then get them all right. God said, don't do that. You're going to mess it up. You just get them here. I'm going to touch them here. I'll do the cleaning up. I'll do the polishing. You don't do it as good as I do. Four men grabbed a rope, put him on them in his mat on the rope, and they carried him into the presence of Jesus. And they couldn't get in the first time, but they didn't give up. <laughs> you see, that's real faith. Real faith is when you try and it don't work. You say, okay, will you back up? And you say, stairs, bro. Well, how are we going to get? We're going to bust through the ceiling. Come on, we all need a friend that's crazy enough to pull some shingles back, right? We all need somebody who's just got a little bit of audacity to do something crazy to get us in the presence of God. We all need a friend with a crowbar. Like, if you can't get in the front door, baby, we getting in. I got locked out of my house one time. I just called Doug. Doug gets access. I'm not going to tell you how, but he gets access. So if I need to get in, I'm calling Doug. Doug, I need to get in. No problem. You see, sometimes you can get frustrated with your friends who are always after you. They're always trying to invite you. They're always trying to, to help you. They're always trying to give you advice. Sometimes you want to get frustrated with those people, and you want to get aggravated with them. Well, they just mind their own business. Well, they are minding their business because part of their business is getting you into the presence of God. When are we going to discover that our business is getting people into the presence of God? That's our business. That's why we're on the planet. Come on, it's not to have a pretty hairdo and a nice dress and sing hallelujah. It's to get people into the presence of God. How does Eunice change? How does this region change when we start putting people on our ropes? We got to put them on the rope. I know you want to hang them sometimes. No, not that. I say we got to put them on the rope and get them into the presence of Jesus. Come on. We got to take this serious. I can't tell you how many people I've talked to when they come to this church and there's nothing special about the building. It's about all of us here and God showing up. But they, people come to say, man, Pastor, I felt something in the parking lot. It's like I, God's presence was in the parking lot. I'm like, yeah, <laughs> he hangs out outside too. <laughs> He's an outdoor God. How many times people have said, man, pastor, my wife told you my business. You were talking to me. What's your name? <laughs> Can we just get them in the presence? 
Are you willing to bust the roof open to get them in the presence of Jesus? Are you willing to spend 15 minutes a day praying for them? Come on, that's pulling shingles back, baby. That's getting shingles out the way. And just because it gets a little hard and they might get hard-headed, you, then you kick the plywood and you get the crowbar and you start to pull the plywood back. You go harder in your prayer life for them. Amen? Because God's going to soften their heart and then he's going to say, he's going to set up and one day they're going to be like, can you put me on the rope? Yeah, buddy, I got you. All four of us got you. And we're going to carry you and we're going to drop you in the presence of God. What's amazing about this story is that Jesus wasn't moved by the guy on the mat. Look at that verse. Next one. Seeing their faith. What caused Jesus to move? Their faith. Where were they at during this whole time? Standing on the roof wondering what to do next. <laughs> it's like, do we stay? Do we go? It's like <laughs> Four men with ropes had enough faith to get Jesus to move in the sick man's life. Your friends are crippled. Your friends are paralyzed. They're in desperate help. They're in desperate need of help right now. And you got the rope. You got the rope. Do you have the audacity to pray for them and to invite them to church? Hey, you want to come to this life group with me? What's that? It's just a group of people that get together. Sometimes we eat. Listen, I will use food in a heartbeat. (laughs) Men move for food. Jesus was moved by their faith, and the man was forever changed because of his friend's faith. They get no credit for it at the moment. But I guarantee you this much. When they get to heaven, there's going to be a celebration. This is the four dudes that put him through the roof. That's the roof, guys. That's those guys I was telling you about. My wife and I went out the other night. Here in Eunice, you can actually go out in Eunice now. There's, we've, I don't know if you've noticed this, but we've got some nice restaurants in town. And I'll just say this. I mean, they're not even paying me to say this, but I would support my local restaurants because if you don't support them, they leave. My wife and I went to the new Italian restaurant that used to be Zeus's this way. I got this ham bone thing. They, like, brought me a bone, like, this big, and it was full of meat, and it was slow cooked. You took it, and the fork would just touch the meat, and you'd go, Then I tried my wife's. I had to finish her plate off because she, well, she ate most of it. But I had to, I had to finish her. Her pasta was like, I like pasta. The tea was good. The waitress was good. The environment was nice. The people were kind. You need to go to that restaurant. It's good. You're going to leave from there not only with your belly full because the portions are right, 
but the food is tasty. You see what I just did? I just invited you to a restaurant. Because I told you how good it was. Now, I don't know if you're like me, but I'm skeptical. I'm like, I don't want to invest one meal. I don't like one bad meal in my life, okay? I'm like afraid of one bad meal. So I let other people go to the restaurant, and then I start to collect the data. Okay, this one said it was good. I can trust them. Those are eaters. Okay, now, skinny people, you can... (laughs) Come on, somebody. (laughs) You never trust a skinny person with a restaurant recommendation. It just ain't happening. (laughs) But it was good. We have an obligation to put some friends on some mats with some ropes and get them into the presence of Jesus. Who will you invite? Just think about, think about it. If, if every one of us, every one of us in this room invited somebody to church this week, what God could do in them this week. I mean, you got to get this. It can change in a week. Their life can change in a week. Some of you walked in here and your life began to change the first time you walked in. It's not the building. It's not the preacher. It's not the worship team. It's the presence of God. Amen? You see, when you bring people to church, we give you permission to watch them when we pray at the end over salvation. We give you permission to peek. You bring somebody to church, and you've been praying and believing for them, and we give the salvation prayer, because I always say, put your heads down, close your eyes, nobody looking around, it's a private moment, I give you permission to go. Raise your hand if you want to receive salvation. And you know what's awesome is when you bring that person, and you see them get saved, oh my gosh, that's a feeling like you've never known before. To lead somebody to Jesus is one of the most fulfilling things there ever is. Amen? Take what you've got and give it to the people around you is what we're called.